Hello. Today, we're going to be talking about niching down. Should you do it? Uh, a lot of companies, when they get started, uh, a lot of founders want to go really big. Say, if we only capture, you know, 1% of this giant market, then we have made it. It's really hard. <laughs> it's super hard to do. Uh, and you might be in a better position if you do decide to really niche down and uh, differentiate yourself by saying no to a lot of customers as well. So uh, that's what we're getting into today. Let's do it. You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we were going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, marketing, what B2B SaaS companies typically need. Nope, uh, so. I'm jumping in. We're going for it. <laughs> You're going for it. <laughs> okay, Stein. Here's another one. So a lot of times when we work with our clients, um, a lot of CEOs and founders want to go really big with their campaigns. They want to, you know, take a certain portion of the market and say, if we can only get this percentage of it, then we'll be fine. Um, obviously, we've seen that there can be a ton of value in going super targeted because it lets you get really specific with prospecting the right accounts, um, messaging, and marketing your product for a very particular problem and use case. So um, all of that starts to you know bring up some questions. So when you talk about niching down, how small should your niche be? How do you even get started? How do you kind of decide which accounts are going to be your ideal ones or your ICP or ideal customer profile? This is a great question. I think uh, nailing a niche is easier said than done. It's uh, it starts with understanding, um, you know, what what, is, what do you mean when you say that a niche? Uh, and I've heard people say niche and niche uh, also, but I think it's niche. An ICP, an ideal customer profile, implies that you have found a, a type of customer that will allow you to service them really well, to provide them a value proposition that they will get extremely excited about, that fits their needs, that will um, make them jumping up and down to want to pay you for that. Uh, and of course, they will tell others about it. They will become what's called engaged advocates. They will use it, they will like using it, and they will tell others about it. That's an ideal customer profile. So to get to your niche and the, the right size of your niche for you to nail as a, as a company, as a startup, as a fast growing company, as you want to expand your reach, your markets, the right way to think about it is to make your niche as small as you need it to be for the first customers to start telling you, hey, this is exactly what I needed. This is something that that, hey, why did nobody else do this? You know, you have the perfect thing for my problem, right? That is really um, what you target for. And you have to make it almost as small until someone would say that you're doing something that only you can do. You're the best at it, right? Something you have to then basically be comfortable that nobody can service this customer that fits in that niche that you have defined better than you do. You can give them exactly uh, what they need. And, and, and they will tell you, hey, this was a great idea. You're exactly what I needed, right? 
So that's sort of, I think, um, until you get to that point where you can answer the question, we're doing something that only we can do for this type of customer, for this type of ideal customer profile. Until you've reached that point, you should make your niche smaller. You should say, hey, maybe we don't service uh, all the countries in the world. We service only this country or only this language or only this size of customer or only customers who have this specific problem or only customers who look like this, who have this type of profile, who use this type of technology. Right? There are all these sort of attributes or segmentation criteria that you can use to constantly prune your niche until it gets to that point that you are the only one or at least the best in the from the options they have to service their needs but then how do you make it big enough to be worth it right that's also important right you have to when you when you really commit to this and you're going to be the best to service this part of the market it has to be worth that right you have to build be able to build a viable business and I think that's actually often not that big of a problem. Once you have, even if it's an audience of one, right? If you, if you have found that one customer that is, you've built something that is exactly what they need. It, it serves the, the needs, they vo the, the things they voice that their wants are. It, it helps them, you know, get rid of a big pain point or solve a headache. You will probably be able to find more people that look like them or customers who look like that ideal customer profile and even if you have ex to expand it a little bit if you found one customer that has a really specific problem and they're in a really specific industry and then some some kind of in some part of the world and you solve that problem for them really really well moving out of that small niche of one you know one customer to add maybe customers in another geography is not that hard right that's the easy part actually let me give you an example. Um, let's say you walk in a in a mall in a in a big you know typical U.S. mall, and you would have the big uh, you know the big department stores like Nordstrom, Macy's, etc. And they would basically have everything, right? Every type of clothing, all types of accessories. You know, sometimes they have home products. But let's say you are. Um, you have a twin uh, daughter um, uh, pair <laughs> and you need to get close for them. Daughters in their teenage years and they're twins. So you're walking down the mall and of course you can go to Nordstrom or Macy's and uh, JCPenney's and you can probably find clothing for them. But what if you walk by that store that says, hey, this is a store for like teenage uh, age girls and maybe even it says teenage twin girls right and that's actually you right that, that's exactly the audience um that you represent you probably will walk in that into that store before you walk into nordstrom right because you're more likely to find exactly what you need there they will have from every piece of clothing they will have two right <laughs> they will only have clothing for the age group that you're looking for they will only have clothing for girls so it will make your life so much easier to find exactly what you need and you will probably when you're part of a maybe a club of parents who also have teenage you know twin girls or twins you'll probably tell them about it you'll basically say hey i found this store you know that really caters to our, our needs and that's kind of what you want to do and it doesn't mean that if you're the store owner that at some point once you're successful and you're very busy and you service all these you know 
teenage twin girls that you don't expand maybe also in teenage boys, twin boys, right? But you can stick maybe with the twin category. Or, or you become a teenage clothing store all up. You start being okay maybe with selling one pair of clothes at the time instead of two. That's fine, right? But you start with that niche because you can actually really stand out. You can find that audience, uh, that niche that is really going to tell others about it and allows you to then scale from there. That's sort of how I think about um, creating a niche, um, uh, Mike. And then when you scale this sort of to B2B, the the terminology we often use is sort of go from your total addressable market right all the people all the customers in the world who could potentially benefit from what you do um and then uh, often that's called the category that you're in and then you have something called the serviceable addressable market the sam which is not necessarily um that big right it depends a little bit on your reach as a company is your value prop gonna fit everybody's needs. What part of the market can you actually service? If you're only, you only have a presence in North America, you're not gonna be able to service a customer in Vietnam very well, right? Maybe because of language barriers or local regulatory needs, et cetera. You don't have a team, a team on the ground. So your total addressable market might include Vietnam, your serviceable addressable market probably does not, right? And your serviceable addressable market probably also doesn't you know, include every size of customer. Maybe you can service the ones under a thousand employees very well, but when they're 300,000 employees, maybe that doesn't work for you. So that's how you go from the total addressable market to the serviceable addressable market, which is really what you do by filtering all the top parts of the market out that you just cannot service very well, right? Or service at all. So that's how you get to the serviceable addressable market. A lot of our clients have done that. A lot of companies out there do this pretty well. But then you have to make the hard step to go from the serviceable addressable market to filter it down to the serviceable and obtainable addressable market, which is being just realistic with yourself that your team, the resources you have, the time that you have, is not gonna allow you to address the complete serviceable part of the market. There's only a smaller part of that market that you can realistically obtain. It's basically restricted by resources. You may not have um, a large enough team to, to sell everywhere or to call up everybody in the serviceable addressable market. Or you don't maybe you just don't have time. Right? You need to sort of execute your plan in the next quarter and you cannot you know, go after every type of industry. So going from your serviceable addressable market that you in theory could service to this part of the market that's obtainable, that's another way to think about nailing your niche, defining a niche, the part of the market that you can realistically focus on as part of this TAM, SAM, SOM exercise. And to go from SAM to SOM, we often use either also filters, if you have a clear sort of restriction in what you can do, you can, for example, not service more than a certain amount of customers, then you can build a filter that says we are only going to target customers of a certain size. And that would be a nice way to sort of limit um, the niche, the market that you will focus on. Or we typically use signals. Signals allow you to not maybe filter out certain customers or prospects, but be very, uh, articulate, very thoughtful about what, how you would prioritize um, the type of prospects you can go after. Signals will tell you 
you know, out of these 10 customers that are a good fit, these four of those are actually a better fit because they've shown this type of behavior. They're using this other technology. They have told us uh, something online about themselves that indicates that they're hiring a certain type of people or they're, they're in the news for a certain reason, right? And it tells us that there's just a big extra um, fit uh, that tells us they're worthy go to go after. There's just a better, maybe there's a compelling event that happens that makes them an ideal customer more than you know the other parts of the market that you could service if you if you would have to. That's sort of uh, you know, connecting the nailing the niche topic to Tam Sam Psalm analysis um, when you go into B2B. And I think sometimes when we say let's you know go smaller and focus on a, a more dialed in group of users, it can be kind of scary because some people come back and they say, you know, we're cutting off a huge chunk of the market and saying no to them. When in reality, what you're doing instead, if if you really own it, you're making yourself stronger for the people that are in the niche that you're choosing to service. Um, so going back to your example, Stein, with the Twins Clothing Store, instead of going to Nordstrom, people with Twins might come to you because you know twins like that is your life that's your product and you know everything about it and you're an expert there right so maybe you have content around how to dress your twins so their clothes complement each other but they don't match in a tacky way maybe there's a twins uh i'm using software terminology user group um but it would be like a parenting group for parents with twins and it teaches parents you know, it allows them to come together and kind of share their stories. And it, you build this community around people who have twins. There's all these things that you can do to go deep and become a serious expert in a particular space for a certain group of people. And so when you choose to say no to a segment of the market, you're really saying yes in a really big way to this other group within that market. So people who are in that ICP will look to you as an expert over someone else that doesn't necessarily speak their language. So you, you've built this loyalty that you would never have the chance to build otherwise. And in other words, niching down makes it so people buy from you because you're an expert in their space and you're an expert in their space because customers like them buy from you. And so it becomes this flywheel where you really start to own a niche. Um, I really love this topic and I feel like it might constitute another episode, maybe where we do a deep dive on how to characterize and document your own ICP, maybe like like a step-by-step -step of the things to consider and how, to, how you can use it to support your ABM, your account-based marketing and your inbound efforts um, maybe, maybe the next couple of episodes, but, uh, yeah, hope this is helpful. One more time. I'm going to shout it out because, uh, we're getting there. We've got a few more reviews on Apple podcasts. Um, if you are getting value from this, we would love it so much. If you could leave a review from us or leave a review for us, sorry. And, um, yeah, give us some feedback. What do you like? What do you want to hear more of? Um, and maybe send us your questions. And, um, yeah, thank you so much for spending your time with us and we will, uh, see you really soon. <laughs>